The reading this morning is Jonah chapter 2, and in the NIV 2011 version I'm reading, it sort of includes the last verse of chapter 1, so I'll start there in my reading. Just to remind us that now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath bowed me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of God. Just like to take a very brief moment to acknowledge Ray, Mark and Sue, uh, Camille and Susie. Um, most of you would be aware that last Monday Joan went to be with the Lord and we had a Thanksgiving service for her on Friday. Um, It was wonderful to see many of the church members give up their work um, and their time to come and serve Ray and the family in what was a a very special time. But uh, as a a community, we just want to gather around this family and love them and uh, bless them and support them at this time. So our hearts and our thoughts and prayers are with you all. I just want to acknowledge your presence here with us today. I also just want to uh, say hello to our friends at Inverell. Lovely to have you joining us again this morning. And uh, even though it will be belated, happy Father's Day to all the fathers at Inverell. After running from God's call and God's word and God's heart, Jonah is thrown overboard expecting to die, but is miraculously rescued and housed in the belly of a giant fish. Now, there is quite a lot of speculation over whether this could have actually happened. And you do have to admit, it does seem like a fairly far-fetched story, doesn't it? However, the argument that the story of Jonah is a parable of sorts does not hold up, because Jonah is a historical figure. There is evidence for him in the Scriptures that debunks any chance of this story simply being a myth. 
Jonah is mentioned in 2 Kings 14.25, as well as Jesus making reference to this very incident of Jonah being swallowed in the belly of a whale in Matthew 12.38-40, where we read, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus mentions the fish housing incident specifically. So to deny the possibility of Jonah being swallowed by a whole, sorry, by Jonah being swallowed whole by a fish and surviving three days in a place he should have been as good as dead is to challenge the very words of Jesus. Now, I'm not prepared to do that and am more comfortable to accept, as chapter 1, verse 17 says, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Just as the Lord provided manna in the desert for the Israelites, so too he now provides shelter and a safe haven for Jonah in the form of a giant fish. So Jonah is in the fish. He is in a tomb of sorts. He has hit absolute rock bottom. There is nowhere left to turn. There is no one left to speak to. It is dark, cold and smelly. It is in this stage of distress that Jonah turns to God and he prays. What is interesting though is this is not a prayer asking for deliverance. It is a prayer of thanksgiving. You see, at this stage, Jonah is still in the belly of the fish. He doesn't know that it's only a three-day arrangement that God has with this particular creature. For all he knows, he could die. But that doesn't seem to be the state of Jonah's mind. Rather than a song seeking further deliverance, Jonah offers a song of praise it's as if he has already been delivered onto dry land. In fact, you read chapter 2 and there's a sense that this should actually come in chapter 3. But Jonah is still in the belly of the fish. The tone of the prayer is very much one of great confidence that God will deliver him. Jonah knows that it was God who sent the fish to engulf him in the first place and he has a deep sense of peace that God will carry the miracle through. As Valerie read to us, did you notice the psalm-like nature of Jonah's prayer? That is because the majority of this prayer is pieced together with various segments of the psalms. There is only one verse that cannot be cross-referenced with another psalm. Jonah knew the Scriptures well. And in his time of distress, he was able to draw upon them and offer them back up to God. What a gift to have God's Word hidden in your heart, to be able to draw upon in times of distress. I recently had a colleague pray for me. And as he prayed for me, scriptures just started pouring forth from his mouth. There was no Bible in front of him. They just came forth 
and he prayed God's word over me. And it was an amazing experience. It was so touching. I was so moved. I was so blessed. And in our fast-paced, low-attention span, technology-reliant society that we find ourselves in, the art of Scripture memorization for many, myself included, is a forgotten discipline that we are all the poorer for. What a gift we can offer ourselves and others in their hour of need if God's Word dwells richly in our hearts. So Jonah too reminds me of the importance of dwelling on God's Word and challenges me to devote myself to memorizing Scripture. In chapter 1, Jonah had completely rebelled against God. God had said, go to Nineveh, and Jonah headed to Tarshish. Now in the ancient Near East, Tarshish was proverbial for the ends of the earth. It was quite literally the end of the line. It was in the complete opposite direction from where God had asked him to go. In the process of disobeying God, he selfishly placed the lives of the sailors at risk. And then, when his life was threatened, he was more inclined to choose suicide over repentance. At this stage in the story, Jonah is by no means a model prophet or a model disciple. And yet, in the midst of Jonah's disobedience, God's grace is so powerfully evident. God uses Jonah's rebellion and selfishness to draw unsaved pagan sailors to himself. And he provides safety and rescue from Jonah's imminent death. Jonah is running from grace. But the hound of heaven will not let him go. It is only when Jonah reaches rock bottom that he has nowhere else to turn. And so he calls to God in his moment of distress. Verse 2, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Now, Jonah is responsible for getting himself into this whole mess. And I'm sure God could have just as easily given up on Jonah and found a more willing, a more compliant, a more obedient prophet. But amazingly, even though Jonah turns his back on God, God does not turn his back on Jonah. He hears Jonah's cry from the pit. He listens. The Lord extends mercy and compassion to him. God does not frown, chastise, or lecture Jonah Rather, he listens and answers his plea. Wow. Jonah knows his error. He knows his sin. He doesn't need an I told you so lecture. What he needs, 
he doesn't deserve and yet that's exactly what God offers. Here is the grace of God on full display once again. If we think about this more broadly, when rebellious humanity is found in a terrible place of distress and darkness and only cries out to God as a last resort. Here is a God who listens. Here is a God who hears. Here is a God who answers. Not with I told you so lectures. Not with a frown on his face but with love, with mercy, and with compassion. This is grace, undeserved favour. The style and shape of Jonah's prayer is interesting as it mirrors Jonah's downward descent into the depths of the sea to a place of darkness and death. To his ascent in verse 6, where God brings his life up from the pit. And I look briefly at three themes we see in the prayer Sheol, salvation, and rebirth. Verse 2 In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Now, the word in verse 2 translated realm of the dead is the Hebrew word sheol, meaning a place of the dead. In the depths of the sea, in the belly of a fish, Jonah is as good as dead. Jonah was lost in an ocean of chaos and despair. Things were as bad as they could be. Images from Jonah's prayer, such as heart of the seas, roots of the mountains, and banished from your sight, paint a picture of Jonah descending until he can go no deeper. This is a picture of a man who has left the land of the living and is now knocking at death's door. He is completely alone, totally vulnerable, stripped of all pride and self-righteousness, you can sense the cold desperation, the solitude, the hopelessness of his circumstances. And what does Jonah do from this place of Sheol, from this place of death? He prays. He cries out to God. He can't save himself. There is nothing he can do at all. <laughs> Only God can do that. God has now got Jonah to a place where he wants him. A place where we all need to end up at some point or another along our journey where we recognize that there is nothing that you or I can do to earn our salvation. It is only in and through the grace of God that you and I can be called sons and daughters of God.
It is only in the belly of Sheol that Jonah discovers the God he has been trying to flee from is waiting to meet him there. Jonah runs, ends up in a place of death. And where is God? God is there. Jonah can escape everything, even life itself, but he cannot escape the love of God. God's love not only reaches to the heights of the heavens, but equally to the depths of the grave. In the place of death, Jonah is met by God's grace and realizes that nothing he can do will enable him to escape God's grace. The wages of sin is death. And we have all had Jonah moments, maybe Jonah seasons, where we have ran from God, where we have rebelled against God. But thanks be to God who sent his son Jesus to come into our mess and deliver us from darkness and death by offering his grace and forgiveness. The Lord does not usually rescue us from the consequences of our actions and choices. And there is truth to the phase we get to sleep in the bed we make. Jonah was right in the middle of experiencing the consequences of his actions and choices. He ran from God, the very source of life, and found himself at death's door. He desperately needed saving. And even though Jonah had turned his back on God, God's grace is relentless. In his faithfulness and graciousness towards us, God comes with us into the consequences of our choices in order to save us there, just as God did with Jonah. Salvation in the first instance is not God taking us out of our mess. It is indeed God coming into our mess to meet us there and to save us there. God comes within our place of brokenness and mess and saves us. And Jonah finds salvation in the deep, in the dark, in the place of death. God is mighty to save. He can save anyone, anytime, anywhere. In verse 9, Jonah proclaims that his salvation comes from the Lord. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Not only did Jonah meet God in a place of death, but in Jesus, God came to save us. Jesus rescues people from the mess they have inflicted upon themselves. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus saves. Have you allowed Jesus into your mess, into your brokenness to save you?
Jonah's song of worship in the captivity of a fish's belly is a beautiful image or picture of believers at worship. As those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ, we have been rescued from eternal separation from God. And when our time comes, just as Joan's time came last week, we can rejoice in the hope and the confident expectation that Joan's soul is not dead but is alive and is in fact more alive than it ever has been before, that her soul is at home with the Lord. And I can tell you that there is no more acute time then you need the confident assurance that your loved one's soul is at eternal rest and peace with the Lord than on that day. And if you have not yet placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Saviour and Lord, can I urge you to do so? If you are sitting under the sound of God's word week after week, but have not yet made that decision, don't delay any longer. There is nothing you can do to save yourself. Maybe you haven't put your trust in Jesus yet because you think you're not good enough. Well, look at Jonah. Okay, maybe you can find a parallel with your story and Jonah's story. Here is someone who ran from God, didn't want anything to do with him, found himself in a place of darkness and despair and death. And God meets him in that place and rescues him. Brother or sister, do you need rescuing from your place of death and darkness today? If you do, Jesus is ready to meet you in your mess and in your brokenness, and give you salvation and rebirth. Don't delay. And I love this image of Jonah in the belly of the fish. He hasn't fully realized his deliverance. He has not been vomited up onto the sea yet. Don't you love that? He's still in the belly of the fish, and he's singing songs of praise to God. What a wonderful picture of the church. We're still in the belly of the fish. We haven't actually been vomited into heaven yet. There's an image for you. <laughs> All right, and our call is to praise God. And that's what we see Jonah doing in this instance. What a wonderful picture of the church. Here we are surrounded by death and darkness and disease. Ray only knows that too well. Dear Carol only knows that too well. There are a number of us who know that too well. We haven't yet fully realized the extent of the deliverance that Jesus accomplished on the cross. And yet we praise God because we know that it will come. Just as Jonah knew that it was going to come. The third theme we see is that of rebirth. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah is reborn. 
He is brought from total darkness to total light. He is given a second chance, the opportunity to change and to do what is right. Jonah meets God in the least expected place in the belly of Sheol. He experiences personal salvation and is rescued from his self-inflicted sin. The sign of Jonah is the expression used by Jesus that we read earlier, which refers to Jonah's three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, a parallel to Jesus in the tomb. And the wonder of the sign, the reason it is called a sign, is that a place that ought to have been a place of death became a place of deliverance and life. God meets Jonah in a place of death rescues and redeems his life from the pit and rebirths him to new life. What a wonderful image of what God, through Jesus, has done for us. And God's call on Jonah's life had not changed. (laughs) The call on Jonah's life is no different in chapter 1 than in chapter 2, than in chapter 3, than in chapter 4. But Jonah has now reached a point where he has rebelled as much as he can. And he has reached the end of the line, and now he is in a place where he is prepared to turn to God. It is never too late to turn to God. Please do not ever think, I have lived too selfishly, too sinfully for God to ever forgive or welcome me home. You are wrong if that is what you think. That is not the voice of God. You need to reject that voice. The voice of God is, welcome home, my son. I've missed you. I run to you. I throw my arms around you. I put a ring on your finger. I'm going to fatten the calf and celebrate over you. (laughs) That is God's heart response to you, my friend. Now, the interesting thing is that now that Jonah has fully experienced and encountered God's grace, can he actually share God's grace? You can't give what you don't have. You can't be a conduit of God's love and grace and forgiveness if you haven't encountered it, experienced it, lived it. Let me conclude with this final thought. The main character of Jonah is not Jonah. It is God. We've spoken a lot about Jonah today. And of course, he is a significant character in this story. However, I want to conclude by suggesting that ultimately this story is not about Jonah. It is about God. It is about his character and nature, which is on full display in this book. With each passing chapter, we learn that God is full of mercy, compassion, and unrelenting grace. His love knows no limits. He has a heart for the lost and for broken people. And he wants to see all come to repentance and faith. And he proactively meets people in their mess and brokenness and rebellion and offers them life. Jonah tried 
but failed in his attempt to run from grace. You can't ever outrun God. No matter how far you've gone from him, no matter what you've done, no matter where you go, you cannot escape his love. So stop running. Turn to him and receive his grace. Amen. Let's pray. You are such a good and loving and gracious God. We are so undeserving of your love and your forgiveness and your grace. But we thank you so much, Father, for sending your Son to live, to die, to be raised to new life, that all who place their faith in you no longer have to run, but can surrender and receive the goodness of your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you are not a God who looks upon us with a frown. You are not a God who chastises. You are not a God who lectures, I told you so. You are a God who runs toward those who turn to you. You throw your arms around them. You throw a party and celebrate over them. This is who you are. Father God, we love you. And on this day of all days, we give thanks that we can call you Father. We love you, Father. Amen.